Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you get financial independence, live the dream life, and never work that just overbroke, that J-O-B ever again. And today, we're going to be talking to a couple who travel the world, live for months at a time in different countries, and is financially independent, all because of their real estate investing. And they're going to show you how you can do it as well. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We've already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, super pumped to have you here back on the show with me again. And today we got a great show where I am interviewing another real estate investor like myself. Now, I personally love to travel. In fact, my wife and I, we usually travel four to six weeks out of every single year, take like a four or six week trip somewhere in 2018. We went to Japan for six weeks and traveled all 2000 miles around Japan, driving on the left-hand side of the road, which was super fun. 2019, we went to Europe, 11 different countries. On a six-week trip, we also recently went to the East Coast. We're in Phoenix right now, so we're closer to the West Coast. But we went from Florida all the way up to New York City and Washington, D.C. on a four-week trip. And now we're also, my family and I, we're going to be taking, in the next week or two, we're going to be going on a road trip all over the central part of America, getting up to Glacier National Park, all the way to the Dakotas and Sea Route Rushmore and all that great stuff. We love to travel. But it's because of our financial independence with real estate investing. And my guests that I'm bringing on today have mastered the art of traveling and making sure that their business runs themselves. They absolutely love to make sure that their businesses run so that they can go out and live the dream life. And they're going to show us how you can do it too. I have James and Emily from Rat Race to Fi. They are going to show us how we can become successful and employed by investing in real estate. All right, here we go. James and Emily, thank you so much for being here with us on the Successfully Unemployed Show. Thank you for having us. Awesome. So talk to us a little bit before we jump into how you guys actually make money, because that sounds that everything you guys do is, is pretty amazing. I want to know about Cyprus. Like what made you guys move to Cyprus and actually live in Cyprus? So we decided Cyprus because we um, we've traveled here a few times. We've done vacations and things like that here um, to visit Emily's family. Emily's dad is actually um, a first immigration or sorry, a first generation immigrant. Um, from Cyprus that so he moved to the U.S. Um, for university for college and uh, met her mom and then, you know, stayed there from there on out. And so um, we decided Cyprus because Emily's grandparents are still here. She's got family here. And luckily they have an apartment behind their house that they're willing to let us crash at and use it as a uh, headquarters for us to travel around Europe pretty much. I love that. That's that's so so cool, especially all the traveling. Because and everybody, I'm gonna put the descriptions and everything in the description, like you can find them. Um, but you go see all the amazing traveling that they've done. I mean, it makes me just think, man, I need to get out and travel more. So awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you guys make money to provide for yourselves and do all this traveling and live in Cyprus and all that sort of stuff? So over the past three years, we have accumulated uh, rental properties. So in total, we have 10 units and it's six properties. 
Um, so we have been able to get enough to where we um, are able to use that as our income and live without jobs. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's great. I love rental properties. I started investing quite a while ago and it's just a way to literally not work. You pay other people to do the work. And obviously you guys don't go to the property to fix a leaky toilet or do anything like that. Cause you're in Cyprus, correct? Right. Exactly. Um, and we still manage them from afar. That's the, that's the crazy part. People like don't think that you can manage real estate, um, from afar, but we self-manage and we have since we bought them. So that made it a little bit easier, even when we were, um, in the state, you know, we, we were managing then. So, um, you just kind of set up the systems and you can continue to do it anywhere in the world. That's, that's great. I, I love that. And especially with technology, if it, if it was just, you know, if we didn't have the internet, if we didn't have all this technology, it'd be really, really rough. I mean, even a telephone, if you just had a telephone, that would be really, really rough. Everything else now with technology makes it so much easier. So that's cool. So before you guys started investing in real estate, what were you guys doing before and what made you want to get out of the rat race? So I was a systems engineer um, and I hated my job. <laughs> um, I work, you know, I mean, engineering is a bunch of um, middle to middle-aged men. And it was just the seeing the stress and the, um, the health impacts of all like, you know, just of everyday work and everyday people. And even my dad, I worked with my dad. And so like, you know, just seeing him overworked and having, you know, two open heart surgeries and just, just everything about it, I did not like. And so that was um, part of the motivation for me to, um, to get out of the rat race and live where we are now. (laughs) Um, I actually used to, uh, I was a regional manager at a um, physical therapy uh, clinic. Um, so I managed seven clinics in North Alabama, where we're from and, um, and left that. I didn't, I didn't hate it. It was, it was a fun job. It was easy. Um, I'm a kind of a people person anyway. And so that was um, very easy for me to be forward facing and interact with a lot of people and stuff like that. But, um, but it's, it's not what, what this is, you know, it's not, uh, it's still being employed and still having to show up at a certain place at a certain time and be on a conference call at a certain time. If they ask you to, you know, fire somebody because of this, then you have to do it. And if you don't agree with it, then you're kind of stuck. So um, we are happily unemployed. We're gainfully unemployed. That's that's fantastic. I, I love that. Now, taking that switch to where you guys started buying properties, walk us through that first time buying that property. I mean, it's not the easiest thing to buy a property and have it as a rental, as an investment property. Talk to us about that whole process. Was that rough? Was it easy? We kind of eased into it because we bought um, the first rental property that we bought. We bought a condo that we moved into purposely knowing that we were going to move out in a year and rent it out. Mm -hmm. So that kind of got the ball rolling. And while we were living in that condo, we bought a duplex um, up the street. Uh, It was about four or five months later. um, We bought a duplex. And, uh, And so that made it a little bit easier because we had already kind of started you know, saving money aside for, um, for down payments and things like that. And so, um, it was nerve wracking the first time, but once we closed on it and we inherited a tenant and had another tenant in within like a week of closing. And once we started receiving the checks, I was like, this is the easiest thing I've ever done. Like, I don't know why everybody doesn't do this. Yeah, you're right. I remember the first time I got a rent check, um, you know, you put in time before, but once you start 
getting that rent check, you don't do much as long as you got a property manager or if you guys are managing it on your own, um, you have other people that would fix the leaks and, and you know, take care of the properties. But literally not working and getting paychecks is one of the greatest things you could ever do for yourself. So take us through that process of getting that first one into the second, into the third, and then growing up to where now you have 10 units. You said six total properties, correct? And 10 units, is that correct? That's yeah, that's right. So, um, so essentially what we did was frugality was the, the number one factor in our lifestyle. It led us to be able to save enough for down payments on all of these properties. And all of them are traditional 30 year mortgages. Um, the multifamilies all have 25% down. Um, a couple of the single families have 15% down because you don't have to put the full 20% down sometimes. So we're paying PMI, I think on one of those. Um, and so that's, it, it kind of, it went a lot quicker than we had planned. We had initially planned on buying two units a year or two, two properties a year. Um, so after five years, we would end up with 10 and it ended up happening in three years because we set a goal and we had enough cash on the side that we could, you know, deploy towards these rental properties. And when a good deal popped up because I'd researched real estate so much, <laughs> like I knew every single house that came on the market, the second it came on the market and knew what it would rent for and all these things. I assessed every single deal every day, multiple times a day for multiple cities. And so I got really good at assessing real estate. And we just kind of figured out, you know, if a good deal pops up, we just hopped on it. And this is on the MLS. This wasn't even through, you know, wholesalers or, you know, driving for dollars or knocking on doors or direct mail. None of that. This was all just on the market. And uh, and it just we, we got lucky in that we were already in a city that has now kind of blown up a little bit. Um, you know, Paula Pant is talking about it. Bigger Pockets are talking about it. And so um, we just happened to be there before anybody else was. And we didn't know that that's what it was supposed to be. That's just where we were. What year did you start investing? Um, we bought our first property in 16, 16. Yeah, in 2016. That's amazing. And in three years, you guys got 10, uh, 10 total doors, so six units. And then what made you decide to quit everything and move to Cyprus? Was that, was that kind of scary to not just moving? That's obviously one, but then also giving up your job, that paycheck and everything. How, talk to us about that process. It was scary. Um, I think we, towards the middle of, so we left our jobs at the end of August and we moved, we went to FinCon in the beginning of September and then came straight to Cyprus, but we didn't officially decide that we wanted to come to Cyprus until I think mid, mid year. So like June, July, mm-hmm. uh, around that time frame. But it was just, it was, um, it was scary. Cause I mean, we had a, we sold basically everything. Um, we, you know, sold cars, sold household goods, sold everything, put everything in, everything left and, you know, luggage and a couple carry-ons and moved over here. But, um, I don't know, how would you say that? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, uh, nerve wracking, but at a certain point, you know, the, the numbers were working. We had all of our rentals filled and we had just closed on another unit like a couple months before that. And, um, and we, we had kind of said, you know, once we get to a point where there's enough, then like just padding that wasn't really worth it, especially, you know, with our jobs and Emily wasn't happy with her job. And so, you know, just even being there another couple of weeks, you know, would have just stressed us out more than living without jobs. Mm -hmm. And, but that was the hardest part, I think, is, uh, you know, seeing that money come in every month and living so frugally that you're saving 60, 70, 80% of your paycheck, depending. 
And now we're living off of what we've saved um, just off of the rental properties, not necessarily off of our personal savings or anything. And it feels different because those numbers are so much closer now, as opposed to when they were, you know, three or four or $5,000 a month more than we were spending. Now they're, you know, they're, I mean, we're still, we still have a surplus, but it's, it's a little nerve wracking. That's great. And I personally am very frugal as well. Like my wife is extremely frugal. So she helped me to get even more frugal than I am. And that's really what helped us to catapult now 30 plus properties for ourselves. And that's literally how we make money. Everything else I do online by podcasting and courses and all that stuff. It's just for fun because I mean, I love traveling. I love doing stuff, but at the same time, I love being busy with helping other people and doing things and building businesses. And so that's why I'm able to do this. So I love the idea of being frugal to help you to buy more properties. Now, how do we buy that first property? Like, what do we need to do? Is there anything we didn't need to know? Do we look for appreciation? Do we uh, do we make sure we're not buying a money pit? What? How do we start building that rental property business? It's a good question, and all of those are important factors. Um, the problem is, like, you can you can definitely get in the weeds too much, and you're looking for the perfect property. And that's never going to come across. You don't even know that that's what it's going to be because it's your first one. Um, so we always say, you know, the first one hasn't been our best one, but um, but it's the most important one because it was the one that got us started. And it just so happened that, you know, again, I was assessing deals every day and I knew when it came on the market um, that it was it was listed in the wrong category. It was the duplex listed in the single family homes. And so none of the investors were looking at it um, from that perspective. None of the multifamily investors were looking at it and no retail buyers were looking at it because they were looking for single family homes. So, um, you know, we just we found an area that um, it was undervalued. And um, it, it, honestly, it's not in a great neighborhood. It's in like a, a firmly C-class place. But, you know, it was super cheap. And so we bought it for forty seven grand. And, um, and it rents for, I mean, it's close to the 2% rule and it's, and I want to pause for a quick second and share that. Honestly, I really want you to invest in real estate. My new goal in my life, my first goal was to quit my job in 10 years. And I did that, accomplished that 37. Now my new goal is to help 1 million people invest in real estate. So two things I would ask from you. Number one, if you get anything out of this episode, please share it with somebody else. Just say, hey, you know, check out Dustin and Master Passive Income. He really wants to help a million people to invest in real estate. That's number one. Number two, I want to get you to invest in real estate get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll literally give you my course, show you how to find the area of the country to invest, how to build the business first. You know, I always talk about that and how to find the right properties, how to make sure you're getting experts to do the work for you and scale the business to where you're making $250 or more in passive income, scale it to quit your job, I'll literally get to you or go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Obviously, it'll be in the description, but I really, really want you to invest in real estate because the more that actual normal everyday people own real estate that are good landlords, the better everybody's life gets. It's something that once you look at enough deals, just just in passing, you know, you could scroll through Zillow or your local MLS or whatever you've got. And, um, and even look at the map and see what's renting in that area for that price. And you can kind of get an idea of what this would rent for. And when those pop up, you know, you can, you can jump on them quickly or you can let them sit because some people might not be interested in it. And then you make a lower offer. Um, the whole process 
is just like buying a regular house. Um, the interest rates are a little bit higher because it's a rental property. But um, but outside of that, it's it's the exact same process that you would do for a house um, and even less so because we bought enough of them that our lenders essentially have all of our income statements on hand and all of these things. So um, it's almost like we have a little folder that the second we put an offer in on a house, we can just send this whole folder over and uh, and it makes the whole process a lot easier. But that's not something that we were doing at the beginning for sure. So in thinking of which property to buy, do we look for that 2% rule? Is that what we want or something different? How do we know that we're going to buy the right property? It's, it's very location dependent is the problem with the 2% rule. Because when I first started looking on bigger pockets and things like that, that's what the rule was. It was a 2% rule. And so I probably passed over 101% rule plus because I was trying to get to two. And so I was so focused on that number. And ours isn't even at two, so it wasn't even that number. But now it looks like, you know, uh, a great investment. But at the time, I was looking for something better. Um, it's hard to know which property is the right one. Um, you know, it depends on what you're buying for. If you're buying for appreciation, which I don't really agree with, you know, I'm looking for rental income immediately day one um, because that's kind of our investment philosophy. We were trying to get out of the rat race as quickly as possible. And um, and so appreciation isn't going to help you with that, um, you know, and you, you might get some gentrification if you buy in the right neighborhood, but that usually isn't very quick. It's a couple of year kind of process. Um, so one of our rules now, especially with properties, is that we try to buy places that we would live ourselves because we would want ourselves as tenants. Um, it depends on what type of tenant you want. Some people are cool with being slumlords and, you know, they're just going to scrape by on 100 or $200 a unit. And if they have a leaky toilet, then that cuts into that. But um, but they don't put a lot of maintenance into it and things. Um, for us, we want young professionals um, who are right out of college or, you know, something like that. And um, and so those are the type of properties that we look for. We just try to appeal to ourselves when we're buying places. Um, and that, that goes for furnishing or not furnishing them, but, um, you know, painting them and things like that. And that's what we're looking for in neighborhoods um, that we would want to live in. So how do we make sure that, Let's say we, we find a property and we're like, okay, we want to buy it. How do we make sure that the numbers are going to work out that we're actually be making money? That's a good question. So um, what we do is we, you know, get some base numbers from, um, from our uh, mortgage lender. Like we have a, a lender that we've used multiple times now. And so, and the other side of that is once you buy enough places um, around the same price, you kind of have an idea of exactly what, the mortgage is going to be what insurance is going to be. And we take 10% out every month um, for vacancies and then 10% for repairs. And so um, 20% off the top. And we even calculated when we buy them, we calculate that we're going to have a property manager. So it's 30% off the top. Um, and then you work out the mortgage amount. And so you can plug in to a typical mortgage calculator what the average rate is right now. Um, and so the average rate is probably one point higher. So it's 1% higher for a rental property versus a um, residential unit. And so you, you let's say right now it's probably close to 4% because the interest rates have plummeted because of coronavirus. Um, so, you know, plug in 4%, the purchase price, the down payment, everything like that. You can get an idea of what the mortgage is going to be. You can look up online the, um, 
the taxes and uh, you can kind of get a quote for insurance. And so you can plug all of these things in and see how much money you're going to get. And a lot of people are looking for, you know, outlandish numbers. Um, the problem is if you start small, then they add up like, I mean, just $200 a unit and 10 units, you've got two grand a month. Um, and, you know, more than that, if you count in, you know, rent appreciation or things like that. Um, and so, so, you know, that's kind of what we do. Just plug it into a calculator and, or a spreadsheet and work your way down and be conservative. Don't think that this is going to be like, you know, the one house in the neighborhood that's going to rent for a thousand when everybody else is renting for 800 or 750. Um, you know, try to be conservative with, with your numbers. And if it ends up over that, then you're golden. But if it, if it's right where you wanted it to be or right where you expected it to be, then you're not caught off guard, which is important. So if you were to, go with a property and you, you know, you're going to have a property manager. And if you did get a property manager, more likely you're going to feel those like, you know, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. phone calls that everybody always thinks about when they think of rental properties, you know, like the toilet's leaking or the roof's leaking or something bad is happening. How do you, if you're managing those yourself, what do you do when you have those calls or do you even get those calls? We actually don't really get the 1 or 2 a.m., you know, clogged toilet or, you know, whatever, but we have gotten a few, you know, there's the um, something wrong with the roof or there's, um, you know, toilet that's running or, you know, whatever. And so we have um, a handyman that we reach out to and that goes and fixes things for us. Um, but we also, um, you know, one of our places is an Airbnb. And so we have a co-host on there and she manages our Airbnb. And so um, if anything happens with that, she goes and takes care of that or meets anybody that comes out there. Um, For the beginning of that process, just yeah. to kind of uh, backtrack a little bit, um, all of our tenants use, uh, we use Cozy mm -hmm. to manage all our properties. And so everybody has to submit um, maintenance requests on there. And then from there, we can forward them to the handyman or um, things like that. And usually, um, usually they're not very time sensitive. There's occasionally we've had, you know, a hot water heater leaking and something like that. And so in that case, we'll tell them to cut the water and different things. Um, and the good news is because we're in Cyprus, a 3 a.m. phone call is actually like uh, <laughs> actually like 12 o'clock in the afternoon for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not that bad. But um, but the point still being that everybody submits their maintenance requests online. And luckily, we do have um, we have a friend who I used to work with. Her dad is a local investor and she's interested in becoming an investor. Um, and so I'm essentially like mentoring her essentially um so she shows off our um she shows our rentals uh, and things like that she gets a cut of the first month's rent and she's been kind enough to go and meet people if we need her to do that um and so she's kind of our boots on the ground person so she shows the rental she does things like that so we do have someone there if we need someone there um, but most of the time we it's it's on the tenants to schedule things um so if it's not something that's super time sensitive then we'll give them the number to the handyman and they will contact him and they'll have to schedule it themselves so i don't have to play you know phone tag with everybody and try to schedule it because it's just it's an unnecessary step to go through me when they're the ones meeting anyway i'm not going to meet them there because most of my tenants don't even know i'm out of the country um they don't even think i'm out of the city so um, i've met most of them uh if not all of them and, uh, and so to them, it's, it's just part of the process. And because we set that up from day one, it's not abnormal for me to have them do it as opposed to, you know, if you were very hands-on all the time and showing your face all the time with the property unnecessarily, all of a sudden you drop off the face of the earth, they might get worried or 
they might think that now you're gone and they can take advantage of it. So with, and I, I, I completely agree with that. I think you guys are on the right track. I personally use cozy for some of my properties. The other ones I use property managers because it's just so much easier because they're, they're already accounted for it. I already make sure that they're being paid for. Um, so if you, uh, you mentioned something about, uh, gentrification. So for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's like the, the uh, more wealthy people move into the area. I've also seen the opposite where, um, the bad side crept into the side that I was investing. So at the, at the time it was actually a really good area, but over 10 years of investing, 12 years of investing, the bad side crept over. And so if anybody listening to this thinks, well, I'm going to hope, or at least, Hey, it's going to work out. It's just going to work out this way. It's not always going to work out that way. And the, what you want to do is not, and I, I completely agree with you, James, that investing just for appreciation or hoping to get appreciation, that's going to be a, a hard game to play especially when there's like in 2008, 2009, when there's a crash, if there's a crash, then then you're on paper, you've lost a lot of money. So if you sell it, you lost a lot of money. But if you invest for a passive income, like James and Emily do, you're going to be making money through those ups, through those downs. The houses I still own in 2000, uh, from 2006, 2007 to now, they've made me $250 or more every single month on those properties. And so absolutely. Now you mentioned about growing up to now you have six units, six total units, or sorry, six properties and 10 total units. And there's a little bit of a a thought that if you don't have a job, how are banks going to lend to you? Do you have to worry about that if you're going to get any more properties? We've actually, we've actually just had this discussion because our lender reached out about um, refinancing to get lower rates. Um, But that is, that is a little bit of a concern that we won't get approved. Um, but we do have, you know, the income from all of our properties, but we haven't actually tried to, um, get pre-approval or anything since we have left our jobs. Right. And luckily we do have enough cash flow that, you know, if the right deal pops up, we could, we could buy a place in cash, um, for the right price. Um, but the other side of it is we get to be a lot more picky now because we don't need the, the income, you know, we're not seeking to quit our jobs. We're just seeking to have a little more cushion. Um, and we can do that as slowly or as quickly as we want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, is, that has been a thought of ours. The, the other side of that is that um, lenders are, you know, most of the time uh, pre-approving you for amounts that no one should be pre-approved for based on their income. Like they are super high. I don't know where these lenders are getting these numbers from. Um, luckily, all of our places have been, I mean, relatively cheap. Um, and so, so that helps us a lot because that's just kind of our MO is that we've got a few one bed, one bath duplexes. We've got, um, a couple of two bed, one bath duplexes, uh, townhouse. And so it's not like these aren't, you know, houses in the Bay area that it's a three, two that's going for half a million dollars. So we're not having to worry about getting approved for that. The amounts that we're typically getting approved for are so low that, um, that even our income based off of the property shouldn't be that much. And um, if we needed to, we could always tap into some of the appreciation that we have seen over the past few years um, of the, one of the other properties in like a HELOC or something like that if we really want to. Uh, but honestly, we're not that eager to, to buy another place. I mean, we've looked at places and we put in offers on places, but not we're not um, aggressive enough to try to get a HELOC on one of the places that we have yet. Uh, we'll see how that happens later. 
Yeah, getting that that um, line of credit on a property is really really good. It's it's definitely hard. So when I was quitting my job, so I had I had thirty plus properties, and I was getting a bundle loan for four different properties all at once, and it was taking longer because it's a commercial loan. It was taking longer in general. It took like four months to actually get it, and I wanted to quit my job earlier. But I knew that would definitely stop the whole process, if not crash it. And so I kept working until right when I got the loan, I said, okay, boss, I got the loan. And then I left. Obviously, it's been, what, uh, four years now of, of being unemployed, successfully unemployed, that I still pay my debts and everything. Money just keeps rolling in. That's the beautiful thing about having passive income in rental properties. Now, if you are... If you're investing in the area, because you, you sounded like you were right there, like it's great that you're there. But let's say you're in San Francisco and you're like, hey, I want to start investing. Should we start investing right where we are? Or can we invest anywhere else? Well, like like we said, we're managing from afar. So it's just as easy now to put in those uh, offers from afar. Um, but you still want to research the areas. Um, you know, it's it's a problem that we're seeing actually in our area because we've become such kind of a hot market, you know, per se. Um, and so it's driving the prices up on places that, you know, we, we see a, a place that's, you know, a, a, I don't know, a fourplex or something pop up that two or three years ago would have been, I mean, a hundred grand maybe. And now they're in the 250, 275 range, 300. And, you know, some, some people, you know, out of state are happy, you know, at, you know, a, a lower cap rate or, you know, a lower, like, I mean, it, it wouldn't even come close to the 1% rule. And it's a place that we would never consider buying because of the price, but they still blow off the market really quickly because out-of-state investors are looking in our area. Um, and that's, that's fine. You know, that's just kind of the ebbs and flows of the market. But just because, you know, you're investing out of state, it, it kind of um, changes your views on how much a property is worth and things like that. You know, in California, they're going to be worth so much more than they are in the flyover states. You could still buy places in, San, I mean, in uh, um, St. Louis for much, much cheaper than you can almost anywhere else in the country. And, you know, for some people, they're looking at those properties and they're thinking, well, this is going to be a great deal. It's so cheap. And so they buy them just based off of their um, their focus on their area being super expensive. And so you still have to become a student of the area, I think, is the important part. You need to know what a place will rent for, what a place will sell for. And um, it, the great thing about it is because of the Internet, and because of these things, if you're looking out of state, it can be anywhere. If it's going to be more than two hours away, it might as well be 16 hours away. So you can look anywhere in the country and uh, and it opens up a lot of possibilities. So how do you get to know the area? I mean, it, we can look on maybe Zillow, but how do we know if we're actually going to be in the right area and the right, not just the state, but the, you know, obviously zero down to the city, because there are probably plenty of properties out there that you could buy for $20,000, $30,000, but I don't know if that's the right one. How do we know and how do we research that area? Like you said. The great news is that this year is a census year, right? And so that's going to be a lot of great information of, you know, where people are moving to if populations are growing. And then that will give you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Further insight into you know, um, what employers are coming to the area if population is growing, um, you know, that there's usually a reason for that. And if population is dwindling, you know, employers may be leaving or things like that. Um, we, one of the, the easiest ways to, once you kind of get an idea of a location, not even necessarily like I'm looking at properties right now. Um, one of our favorite ways and particularly me, um, I love to look at Reddit. Reddit is my favorite. No, but I've never heard anybody mention Reddit as far as like a real estate research, but, and, and there's a ton of information on there, obviously that, you know, you'll have to scroll through, but I find the per the city Reddit that I want. And then on there, people are so happy to know information that other people don't know that they're posting about who's bought this property, who's, you know, redoing this factory, who's, you know, and all the things that they've got planned. I mean, there are people that are on Reddit that are in the city's planning department that are happy to share this information because they know it before anybody else. And uh, and so it's like it's like a little Facebook group on steroids because there's so much more information there. And so that that actually helped us find the areas that we're going to gentrify in our in our neighborhood or in our city. And it went a lot quicker than we thought it would. You know, um, like I mentioned. It, it, it went, you know, in a couple of years and not even that in a, in a few months, we had places built across the street from us that were over four times as much as we paid for our duplexes mm-hmm. um, and new builds. And so uh, Reddit is one of my favorite things. Once you figure out what general area, you know, and this could be anywhere from Florida to Indianapolis to, you know, St. Louis that I mentioned anywhere, uh, you could you could look anywhere on there. That's a great tip. I've, I've literally never used Reddit uh, I know there are lots and lots of people that use Reddit for everything. Like there's everything under the sun is probably under there, but I've literally never used it. So I'm definitely going to have to take a look because that's, I've heard you're the second person in like two or three days say that they love Reddit or they use Reddit all the time. So not just for real estate, this was another uh, gentleman talking about something completely different. It's like, you know what, maybe I should take a look at it. And I know what's actually really interesting is I've heard that if you post something in there, that's not like a Reddit type of person, like a post, like if it's a spam post, they like try to kick you out. They, they, they don't like people that do that, which is rather interesting. So you're gonna have to do a little bit of, uh, I guess, understanding of Reddit before you start doing that. Okay, so from there, as we are growing that business, we're going from property to property. How do we, and this is something that my wife would always tell me, don't grow too fast. Like, is there a way that we can grow too fast or too slow? Like, what are your thoughts about getting too big too fast? I think a big thing, if you get too big too fast would be um, getting in over your head on um, debt. You know, if you have, if you get too much and you can't keep up with the loans, um, you know, if you, if you're still working and, you know, you don't have, um, let's say that you have 
five properties and you um, make enough. Well, I don't know. I was going to try to do some kind of scenario, but <laughs> if you don't have enough um, with your income from work and then, you know, if you don't have enough, um, you know, tenants filled or if you have too many vacancies, then you wouldn't be able to make your mortgage payments. And then at that point you could, you know, go into the default, you could lose your houses or, you know, ruin your credit score for future properties that you could get approved for. So there's, there's that aspect of getting in um, too deep over your head. Um, but there's also, you know, you could start investing and then realize that you yourself is, um, you're not a good um landlord, you know, to self to self-manage them. And then at that point, you know, maybe you didn't consider um, do the numbers correctly to be able to um, get a property manager and the numbers might not make sense at that point. Um, so those aspects that that could be um, in over your head. Yeah, for sure. And we had a, a risk of that at one point. We bought two duplexes at the same time, so four units all in one. Um, and it was just because they were right next to each other. And we actually only tried to buy one of them, but the guy said that they had to be sold as a group. And one of them was completely vacant. So two units were vacant. The other two were filled, but they were super low rents. Mm -hmm. And so we spent the next few months trying to fix up a unit and things like that. And this was me over there at 4 a.m. doing things. And, uh, and it was vacant for, I mean, months. And, uh, and it would have been so much easier to just pay somebody to go in and do it. Um, but I was so eager to try to do it myself and save a couple of bucks. Um, and it is easy to grow too fast because if you don't have the systems in place, mm -hmm. then you're, you're, you know, grasping at straws trying to get tenants and then you get tenants in that, you know, you just might take the first one that's, that's applied because you're looking for a tenant so quickly and they might not be qualified. Now you've got to go through an eviction, which costs you more than the couple of months of vacancy that you might've had to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, that's one a uh, quick aspect of growing too quickly is that, you know, you, you like Emily said, you can be in over your head um, before you really realize what's happening because there are professional tenants out there that essentially just go around and try to do this thing. And, um, and, you know, we've been lucky that we haven't really had that issue. We have had one uh, eviction, but, um, and we ended up selling the properties and that might've been, you know, one of those situations where we might've tried to grow too quickly and try to get um, a property that wasn't really in, um, our particular, you know, niche that we try to focus on. And, uh, and so it's, it's definitely possible to try to grow too quickly if you have an excess amount of money and, you know, and some people are, you know, borrowing out of their 401k or, you know, over leveraging, like Emily had mentioned, um, there, there are a lot of ways to, uh, to grow quickly. Yeah. That I, I love all that. I think you guys are hitting this nail on the head. So a couple of questions that I have, one, want to get to the tenants, cause that's a big one, you know, getting the right tenants in there, but how do you get loans for properties that are $45,000? Is it easy to get loans for prices of homes that are that inexpensive? Surprisingly, um, <laughs> you'd be amazed at what you can do. Um, at first, you know, we bought our, our first, um, our first condo, that condo that we had bought um, for a rental property was like 43,000, I think 43,500. And so that began the whole, can we find a loan for under 50,000? Because so much of it is a percentage for the lenders that they don't really offer that. And, um, and we actually happened to get one from Capital One before they quit doing loans. Now they don't do loans anymore. Um, they kind of uh, farm that out to someone else essentially. But, um, but yes, you can still find loans for, uh, for under 45, 47,000. At a certain point, it does get too low that they won't do it. You might have to go hard money if you don't have cash or you might have to do like a 401k loan, like I had mentioned, 
we definitely don't like that because you're paying back your yourself, but you're paying back with after-tax dollars and you put that all in there with pre-tax dollars. So that's not really a, a prudent um, method of trying to get the properties, but you can still find lenders uh, nationwide that offer loans for under 50,000. The harder part is if you try to put down a bigger down payment, then the loan amount becomes so small that they won't cover it. Um, but we've got four or five loans that are in the $30,000 range the second we closed on them. So, so that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. Um, but that's not a question that we get often, but that does happen for sure. So you mentioned one capital one, but they're no longer doing it. Any other, uh, banks, because I know a lot of students that I have, they're just like, they're running to roadblocks. Like man, nobody's lending under $50,000. Cause when you think about it, it's the same amount of work to lend $2 million as it is 50. And so they're like, it's just not worth our time. But do you have any other banks that you can uh, lend out there or give us that we could possibly look into? Yeah. So we use assurance financial and, um, and that's one of the companies that like we've, we've pretty much told, we had a, we have a great loan officer and we told her from the beginning, we are looking to get X amount of properties and we're looking to do this pretty quickly. And so because of that, she started strategically placing loans in either Emily's name or my name, because you can only have so many loans before you run into trouble and they won't approve you. Then you have to go. Um, it's a whole thing. And so, um, so we, we got really lucky that, you know, we found her, um, that she was willing to work with us and then they sell it out to other companies. So we have, um, like citizens one, we have, um, Franklin American, we have, okay, well we have Um, Franklin American, new res um, is another one that used to be uh, North point financial Mm -hmm. is another one. And so essentially this, you know, um, assurance financial, initially lends us the money and then they sell that mortgage to someone else. And so I assumed that these other companies, because it hadn't seized in, you know, a, a few weeks, maybe a couple months at most, um, I assumed that these other companies also offer uh, those, those loans. That's great. I love that. Thank you for sharing those. Cause that's a, something that usually um, people are just running a huge roadblock. So let's get into tenants because just, we're going to dive just quickly into tenants cause we're wrapping up, but that's the biggest thing that uh, we all, everybody who's had the idea or heard somebody that invested in real estate and rental properties, they said, oh, we got the worst tenant that just destroyed the property. They don't respect your property. It's, they don't believe it's theirs, so they don't care. And how do we find the right tenant? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> she looks at me because I'm the one that finds the tenants, I guess. Um, so... I kind of, I, I try to talk them out of it at the beginning, which is a weird thing to say, but you know, we, we make the places look great. We set strict guidelines. Like you have to have three X income, um, you know, and it's not really hard on the properties that we have because they're, they're lower cost properties, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, and we make people jump through hoops. I think that's the important part is that, you know, we, we put on the listing that you have to apply for the property before we'll even show it to you. You don't have to go through the background of credit check that Cozy has, but there is a slight hurdle. You know, you can't just message me and I show up on a Friday afternoon and show you the place um, because it's, it's so easy for this to become a sap of time. And so that's one of the biggest processes that we have is that we list the property and then we receive the applications and you have to apply before we'll show it to you. We won't show it to you otherwise, um, because we want to be sure that you're pre-qualified anyway, because it's a waste of our time. If you come over, kick the tires and you don't have the income or you're really not even interested in it. Um, you just wanted to come check out a house in the neighborhood and that happens sometimes. But um, so what we do is we make people apply first and then we can verify their income based on that. And then we show them the property and as we're, and I show everybody the property, um, within 15 minutes of each other, we'll schedule 
you know, five showings and there'll be 15, every 15 minutes. So we'll be there for an hour and 15 minutes, maybe an hour and a half um, at the beginning and end, locking up and everything. And, uh, and because of that, what it actually does is it creates a little bit of urgency for everybody. It's a little bit of salesmanship to it um, because that's a little sleazy, but it, um, I mean, the other side of it is it's efficient for our time. You know, we, we don't want to spend all day there because somebody might no show. Well, if somebody no shows, then they're not getting it. Someone else will come and they're only going to be, you know, we're only waiting 30 minutes at that point. And so that makes it a lot easier for us. And especially, like I said, smaller properties, it doesn't take us, you know, an hour to walk around a one bed, one bath condo or a one bed, one bath duplex. And, uh, and so as someone's leaving, someone else is walking up and they know that we have, um, a little bit of, um, competition essentially on, you know, the, the area, cause it's a great price, great thing. And, uh, and then we go through the background and credit check and we put all of these things very clearly in the listing so that anybody that doesn't think that they have the background or the credit check, um, or anything like that, then, you know, they're going to just, um, self-eliminate themselves. So they won't even bother applying, which makes it easier on us. And, uh, and because like I said, we, we like to appeal to people like ourselves, um, you know, we, you know, we look for young professionals, like I said, new college grads or things like that. And so we make the places look that way and we price them accordingly. And so, you know, you can you could get a one bed, one bath place in the city much cheaper or not much cheaper, but cheaper than ours. Um, but we also, you know, we talk about on the showing, we talk about the late fees. We talk about, you know, um, you know, in Alabama, we're pretty lucky with the landlord laws that, you know, after five days of non-payment, um, you can actually, or sorry, seven days after of non-payment, you can actually post on their door, you know, the, the eviction notice and that starts the process. And so I'd just go ahead and tell them, you know, it's not like this isn't, I don't want you to be worried about it, but if you're more than seven days late, then you're going to have a notice on your door. And, you know, some people aren't interested in that because they're habitually late and they're going to, they know that they're going to get evicted because I'm on top of it. And so that eliminates those people as well. And, uh, and we, we knock on wood been pretty lucky with our tenants um, that have been, you know, very respectful on time. Most of them are early and, uh, and that's just kind of the process. You set the tone early and there's no give, there's no like. There's no, you know, exceptions to any rules because you also don't want to leave yourself open for any lawsuits or things like that because it seems like you're handpicking tenants, um, and that's a that's a very slippery slope that can go really quickly. Yeah. And uh, and you know, if they have a leg to stand on, then you can get you know a wrongful lawsuit for, um, you know, equal equal opportunity and things like that. And so we try to eliminate that at the beginning. We are straightforward with everybody and we treat everybody the exact same. Um, and we come across as probably a little strict in the beginning. And that eliminates a lot of bad tenants. That's great. And I, I completely agree being strict in the beginning. In fact, just running it like a business. Like it, it, I got taken advantage of so many times when I first got started. You know, they play on your heartstrings like, oh, our car broke down. And then, oh, our car broke down again. Oh, it broke down again. I'm like, you, sometimes you got to pay your rent. And it just over after like three or four months, I just realized, I think they're lying to me. <laughs> I just realized I got to start evicting people. So uh, if somebody has already been evicted, is that somebody that you would be okay to take? It depends on the, the, the time period between evictions. I understand, you know, like we've had some people that, you know, they, they might've been a little troubled in their childhood or, you know, they might've, um, or I say childhood, you know, early adult years and they've kind of turned around or things like that, you know, their credits on the upswing and, you know, they haven't had an eviction in the past, you know, 10 years or something, or they had, you know, different things like that, then that's something that we consider. Um, but it's, it's not something that we outright say, you know, like 
you no eviction, no previous evictions, but it has to be within a certain time period. If it was, you know, within a couple of years, then they're automatically disqualified just based on that. And we've had a couple of, you know, people that have gone to collections, any accounts and collections, um, currently any current accounts and collections, then we don't accept anybody. And we're pretty clear about that too. And uh, so that we, and we tell people this during the showing, and then if they're interested, they have to go through the background credit check and then they, all they have to do is submit their, uh, down to or the security deposit and then they pretty much get the place and we have them sign the sign the lease. Um, so that eliminates a lot of people to different things like that, you know, just telling them like you're pre-approved based on your income, but we haven't seen, and I tell them that like, I'm very specific about the wording on every email, on everything I say, you know, based on the information you've given, you're approved. I don't say you're approved because you know, they, their information may change. And so um, based on that information, they're approved. And, uh, and it, that changes all the time based on, you know, background and credit check. So I definitely want to re-hit that point that you run backgrounds and credit checks. That's above all, because you're going to get some people who have a property. You know what? I, I just don't want to go through the hassle. You know, it'll turn people off that they're going to get a background or credit check. That is the worst thing you could ever do, my opinion. And I've, I used to do this and I've learned the hard way. After I got had so many evictions, I realized I'm just going to do credit checks and started doing credit checks. Well, there was a lady that applied for one of my properties on paper, on the application. She looked fantastic, went to the place, looked great. Everything looked like she, she acted great. Everything was great. We pulled her credit. She had been evicted four times in the last three years. And I said, I'm not going to be the fifth. So I'm definitely not putting her inside the property. So everybody, if you're listening, if you ever have any properties that you're going to be putting a tenant in there, always run a background and credit check. You absolutely have to do that. So man, you guys have given us so many great insights, but we need to jump into the rapid fire round. Are you guys ready? Yeah, we're ready. Ready or not. Awesome. <laughs> so you guys love to travel, which is, I love traveling too. Now without having a job, we're hopefully working less than, you know, we normally work 40, 50 plus hours, 60 plus hours a week with a job. Hopefully we have a little bit more time to serve the people around us or make the world a better place or even just, you know, make our families better. What are you guys doing to help serve the people around you and not um, just just focus on taking? Yeah, so what we do is we we actually, you know, um, we're helping a lot of people. We think that we're helping a lot of people with our blog. Um, I actually, on my, in my spare time, I build websites for um, for friends and family that have small businesses. Um, you know, I'm building a, a website for one of my friends who's a wrestler. I've built a website for um, a DJ. And so we're trying to lift people up that are around us as well. And uh, and so that's really what we, what we like to think that we're trying to help out with. The other thing we do is we actually do house sits um, for people with pets. And so that that gives people an opportunity to go and travel and do things that they might not be able to do normally. Um, and we get to go and hang out with their pets and um, take them for walks. And we, we, one of the things we really like are animals. Um, and so we try to, that was one of the reasons why we quit our jobs in, uh, in August is because our dog passed away in July. And so she was the reason why we were staying in the States and we held out a few months longer um, than, than we did, you know, we hit five and then we stayed for a few months more because we didn't think it was fair to her to try to move her around. And, uh, she was 18. So, um, so it, it worked out, um, you know, it, we would have never wished that to happen, but, um, but it did. And so because of that, we tried to try to help people with their animals as well. So we're actually doing a house sit at a vegan farm sanctuary in Atlanta next month. And so we're pretty excited about that. Like that's going to be a pretty cool thing for us to do. That is very, very cool. I'm going to have to keep, yeah, re remember that whenever we travel, hit you guys up and see if you guys would want to watch our stuff. That's that's awesome. I really love that. Um, we love to travel. And we, my wife, 
she loves chickens. Like, so we have like 15 chickens, we have dogs and everything. And so it's just fun. Like she loves the chickens, but anyways, um, we love traveling, but it's, it's just hard because, you know, with animals, you have to get somebody to come watch your stuff. But, uh, and she eventually wants to get a farm. We have cows and I'm like, Oh my goodness, we will never be able to travel with that. So that's awesome. Okay. So next question is if somebody were to want to get started investing, they want to do what you guys have done other than just, you know, getting started and doing research. Is there any tips that you can give them any advice that you can give them to get started? Just, safe, um, I guess, and just, just, you know, just put back as much money as you can. And then just, I guess, just start investing. Yeah. Start, start looking, start researching now, um, even before you're ready, um, with money and, you know, ready to take on, um, that adventure. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, live frugally, like I said, is what got us to the point where we could invest in the properties. Mm -hmm. And before we had the money to invest in properties, we were researching properties. And if, if real estate investing is what you want to do, then you can you can start doing that. That's something you can do for free. And, you know, a couple hours I was looking at them on lunch. I was looking at before work at the gym anytime. And uh, and so that's that's just a super easy way. It can devolve very quickly into analysis paralysis where you're just looking for the perfect property and you've seen a couple come by and you didn't have the money. And now you're waiting for another one just like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you just got to deploy the money. It's not working for you sitting in a bank account. That's not going to help you in the future. So. That's great. I love that. And I, I completely agree. And saving and being frugal are two reasons why I am where I am. So I'm right there with you guys. Okay. So next question, and I want you guys both to answer, you know, individually, if you were to go back and give your younger self any bit of advice, it could be life, it could be business or whatever, like, you know, like your 20 year old self, what would the advice be? Okay. Well, <laughs> um, mine would be, this is, this sounds so silly because like everybody knows it, but don't care about what other people think. I spent so much money, um, you know, in my early adulthood years, in my late teens and early 20s on trying to um, personify this, like, I don't know, I was trying to outwardly show that I had money and I had no money. Um, you know, I had, at one point I had three cars and I literally, my, this is not a joke, my card got declined at a red box for a dollar seven when Redbox was like a popular thing. I didn't have a dollar seven in my bank account. Luckily I had some gas and this was with her. We were on a date and I was getting a movie and I told her my card didn't work because I was so embarrassed. And so like, but I had a cool car with cool rims and a cool exhaust and that would have done me nothing sitting on the side of the road. Like that was the biggest waste of money in the world, focusing on what other people thought of me. I was so focused on an outward appearance and making it seem like I had money and I had none. And there was no depth. There was no nothing. It was, it, I was <laughs> terrible. I guess to piggyback off that, be content with what you have, you know, not trying to uh, go and trying to get the new latest fashion, um, latest, you know, gadgets or whatever, but also um, to if you have a budget or if you have, you know, a goal for your savings account. Like I remember um, at one point my um, mom had told me, you know, in college or um, in high school or whatever to keep at least $100 in my checking account. And for a while I was doing that. And then, you know, at first I would like, you know, transfer, you know, uh, you know, $10 or $15 or whatever. And then it ended up getting down to, you know, 
five or ten dollars. So, you know, if you have a goal to, you know, have, you know, a hundred dollars in your bank account or something, make, do everything that you can to keep that in there and not, you know, think, oh, you know, it's okay. This little bit will, won't hurt, but, you know, in the long run, it kind of does. Um, if you, you know, look at it that way. Absolutely. Those are great. That's all great advice, especially, you know, just being financially literate and understanding how, how money can actually hurt you if you do it the wrong way. So that's, that's terrific. Now, next question is, what is one tool or app, or it could be even a piece of paper and pen that you guys use in a day in your daily life that we should look at using? We, um, we actually use personal capital. Um, and that has all of our um, savings accounts and all of our retirement accounts um, in there. And so we'll use that to, you know, kind of track our net worth. Um, and you can even put in your uh, investment properties or your real estate and um, see, you know, I have that in there for your net worth, um, which we, we don't do. But we... No, because they're outlandish. <laughs> the numbers that they put on there are so preposterous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What I would suggest is she said personal capital. I would say to use um, Reddit and Facebook events because we are always traveling around and that is an easy way for us to find out different events that are happening in the town, different places for us to go with our friends, or if we don't have friends, we can make friends there. Um, we've, we've been using that a lot while we've been traveling and trying to, you know, go to do things that we wouldn't normally do uh, because we're in places for longer than we normally would be. You know, we spent a month in Munich and, we could have easily just either sat at home and spent a week doing all the touristy things, or, you know, we could try to search for all these events to do things that locals are doing while they're there. Um, because this isn't like typically things, those aren't places that tourists are looking um, to go and do things. And so that, that helps out a lot too. Those are great tips. I'm definitely going to utilize those. That's fantastic. All right. So last question, what is one nonfiction book? It could be life or business or whatever that you really enjoy that we should take the time to read? Mine is going to be, um, uh, it's tough. I've got, I've got one I know offhand this year. Um, the coddling of the American mind to me is, uh, an excellent book. Um, you know, to some people it might be, you know, just the name of it might be a little polarizing, but when you actually read the book, it, um, it is very straightforward. It is, as apolitical as it can be, there is no bias. And then at the end, they actually openly tell you what their personal politics are. And so you can kind of see that through their lens. And it actually, it's not what you expect it to be. It's actually a great book that talks about, you know, the shifts in the sociology and psychology of everyone in the U.S. and how it's created this, um, this whole system that we live in today um, that is not what it used to be. So I think it's a really good book. Just that's, that's, oh, you you agree, Emily? <laughs> yeah, that's great. That was the coddling of the American mind. Uh, yeah, the coddling of the American mind. Yeah, wow. it's actually a really good book. I'll definitely check it out. Emily, did you have one to add, or was that the one too? No, I um I actually don't do a whole lot of uh, nonfiction. Um, and so I that was one of the ones that I did listen to. Yeah. Um, based on you know James's suggestion. Essentially, I filter all the nonfiction books for her. She listens to all the fiction books and things that like she gets enjoyment out of. I listen to a ton of psychology and economics and real estate and all these things. I don't listen to any fiction books. And if one is particularly good, then I'll say, oh, you need to listen to this one. And then she'll listen to it. So. That's great. My wife's the same way. She's like, why would I do nonfiction? There's no point in that. I'm like, 
I don't know why you wouldn't like that. It's just like, the, it's like a no brainer for me. It's like, I have to do nonfiction. That's awesome. Well, you guys have been so good and given us so much great information on investing. I just absolutely love it. How can somebody reach out to you? Cause I know we're going to have so many questions or want to talk to you or even just, you know, see everything that you do online. And so how can they find you? Um, so we um, have our website, rethinktheratrace.com. We're also on Instagram, um, Facebook, Twitter. <laughs> All the socials. All the socials. At uh, Rethink the Rat Race is it the same one yeah. as well? At Rethink the Rat Race. And that's the, probably the easiest way to follow along with our travels as well um, on Instagram because we post pictures, you know, in all these crazy places or doing stupid things in crazy places. <laughs> and uh, and so they're not the typical touristy pictures, we hope. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, James and Emily, you guys are fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing all the wisdom, especially the history of everything you guys did and now living in Cyprus. One last question for you, and it's more of just a personal thing. So my wife and I, we're actually talking about selling our current house. We, we could normally just rent it out, but we could pocket like $150,000 selling it and then getting it a travel trailer and just traveling all around the United States. What do you guys think about that? Good. No, I, I think, I think you should, I think it's a good idea. Um, I go, we go, we had this discussion a lot. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll see some for sale or whatever, but, um, my big thing is I couldn't do it without, um, a bathroom. Um, I could maybe do it without a shower. You know, we could get a gym, you know, at, uh, nationwide, uh, a gym membership at nationwide gyms, you know, so we could shower at the gym or whatever. Um, but, um, I think, um, you know, the toilet is a big thing for me, but I think it's a, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Cause we've been talking about doing van life for a while, driving around the U S and doing that because we haven't really seen many of the States. So, uh, like it's weird, but we've seen more of Europe than we have with the U S almost. And so because of that, we feel like a, a need to go back and just travel the States. But I think that a travel trip is a great idea. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, like a fifth wheel and just drag it around and go to all the national parks and things like that. Um, especially if you can be location independent, you can always settle down and buy another house anywhere you want. You know, uh, like I've told Emily this before, you know, they'll still be selling houses when we get done doing whatever it is we're doing. And so we can still buy one wherever that is. What's, what's also great is the house we're currently living in, it was one of my rental properties, but the tenants moved out. We moved from California over and we're in Arizona now. And it's it's like up like $150,000. So I could literally sell and pocket that money. And my wife and I were thinking, well, if like, it's nice having this one house that we could always have. But I thought, you know what? We have a bunch of properties all over the place. Like we have one in Houston we could live in. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a fantastic house. It's bigger than this one and everything. And she said, you know what? We could do that. That's And so that's the beauty of having real estate is you just literally send a letter to your tenant and say, hey, I'm going to give you 60, 90 days or 120 days to move out, you know, find a place and then eventually move out and you can literally move to that place. And so, yeah, it's terrific. But I mean, you guys are fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show, sharing all your great wisdom. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Dustin. Thanks so much for having us. And that is it for today. Go ahead and get my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. You can also join my Real Estate Wealth Builders group coaching. Get all my courses. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next show. See ya.